Hey everyone, welcome to a bonus episode of Formidable Opponents. Going to do things a bit different this episode. As you notice, it's a much shorter episode than our regular episodes. And you'll soon notice that it's a solo episode. Uh, we had a few time conflicts. We wanted to get something out there. So this is sort of a doorstop episode, a bonus episode to let everybody know that everything's okay. But we wanted to get something out there. Wanted to talk about something that just happened recently. We can't wait to debut our newest episode as a trio, of course, our Pink Floyd episode next week. So we'll get that done and we'll be back full strength. But for today, I'm going to do something that didn't think I'd ever want to do. And that's a solo episode, solo podcast. I don't know how Stephen A. Smith and Colin Coward do this daily because it's really tough to stare at just a blank screen and not have feedback. And this is going to be an easy episode to edit because I won't have coughs, burps, uh, whiskey, bottles opening, uh, police sirens to edit out. So it's kind of a treat for me. But of course, I'd rather be doing this with Bob and Joseph because they provide so much laughter, fun and uh, wrong answers for me to counter. Of course, they'll be back next week. And I'm sure they'll give me a lot of shit for this episode. Or maybe they'll give me some praise. I don't know. It's it's ironic um, that I'm doing a solo episode this week. because I'm actually home alone for the weekend. My family went to go visit my mother-in-law. And I was trying to find a good movie to watch, sort of put myself in the Halloween spirit. And I wanted to watch a movie I hadn't watched before. So I put on Megan and it wasn't good. And of course it was <laughs> not the best choice, but it was PG-13 I saw. And I was like, why? No horror movie should be PG-13. Um, it's just like when you were younger and you'd watch uh, C- Cinemax After Dark, the dirty movie shouldn't be on Cinemax, they should be in your father's sock drawer listed under a family reunion title with a cheap piece of uh, a masking tape or something. But yes, it was it was a horrible movie. It wasn't scary at all. And I watched it with my my brother who left earlier. He went back home and he's a big horror movie buff. So we used to watch a lot of Betamax. We had a Betamax. We didn't have a VHS. And in this Betamax, you could rent two things. You could rent really bad, cheap horror movies like Sleepaway Camp and and Pieces. Or you could watch like Cheech and Chong movies. Or you could watch whatever you find in your dad's sock drawer. So uh, it was a treat to have him over. But he's he's gone uh, back home. And I'm left to my own vices wondering why we spent the evening watching Megan. But anyway, uh, we'll give a full review on that when Bob and Joseph come back. I'm sure it's, it looks like a movie Joseph would love. So I don't know, maybe maybe I'll be wrong. But this episode, I'm going to talk about Matthew Perry. Now, I'm going to be completely honest with you. This is the second recording I record. I wanted to give it a test run. And as I mentioned before, doing a solo podcast is not an easy task. And like a horror movie that should be rated R, I think solo podcasts shouldn't probably run more than about 20 minutes. So if you give me 20 minutes of your time, I will hopefully give you some insight and, opi- and good opinions about somebody we, we're we all going to miss dearly. I don't think you would have clicked on this episode if, if you uh, didn't care for this individual. And of course, I'm going to be talking about Matthew Perry. I want to preface this by saying that I know Matthew Perry uh, in his recent interviews when he was promoting his book and, and when he was doing the circuits, he was talking about how he doesn't want to just be remembered as Chandler Bing. And that's all well and good. He wants to be remembered for his humanitarian efforts. And he had opened up a sober house for males who who were looking to get clean and giving back was 
something that he was very passionate about. I don't know what your beliefs are. I know this is not that kind of show, but you know, Matthew Perry was on the brink of death, I think 2018, where he was on an ECMO machine. And if you don't know what an ECMO machine is, it's similar to the heart-lung bypass machine used in open-heart surgery. And he was given a 2% chance to live. He survived. He had five more years to live to give us some wonderful gifts. And I know he had mentioned in that night that he had, you know, they resuscitated him, broke eight of his ribs. Five people were on ECMO machines that night and four of the other Others, uh, the other four passed away. Matthew Perry survived. And I believe he truly survived to, I think, give the gifts that he had to offer for the for the final five years of his life. Um, talk about his book. Um, talk about uh, his experiences on Friends. Give us that reunion episode on HBO that we all wanted to watch because we love the show. And, and of course, it was a, a, a tough time for all of us because because of COVID and all these other things. So we need we needed stuff like that. We needed the Friends and we needed the, the Chicago Bulls documentary to get us by those tough days. Thank God Matthew Perry was still around to give us those that insight and those gifts because he, I think, epitomized how somebody could turn their life around. And I know years of opioid abuse and 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 the painkillers and everything he was he was taking uh, ravaged his body. And of course, it's a scar, obviously, right? He, it, it, your your body lives with it. It 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 recovers to a point, but there's always going to be that residue that stays with you, and and obviously stayed with him, not only in his his body and the wear and tear, but also in his spirit and his memory, where he wanted to be a cautionary tale, and he was very open and honest about that, very uh, transparent about wanting to help people not succumb to the to the ills that almost cost them everything. And uh, he recovered, he battled, and he won. We've lost him, but we do care very much for the things he brought to us in a humanitarian way. And of course, we'll talk a lot about friends because that's how we're going to remember him. That's how most people remember Matthew Perry, and and they love this character, Chandler. And um, I think for everyone, Chandler was that perfect balance of sarcasm, wit, good looking. You want to be his friend. You wanted to be him. And in the 90s, we had that very misanthropic, sarcastic uh, point of view that a lot of movies and TV shows were trying to capture. You saw it with Reality Bites with Troy Ethan Hawke's character, although he was way too good looking. Um, And of course, we saw it with Randall in um, Clerks. But of course, that was a bit rough, uh, over the top and not suitable for all ears. So Chandler and Matthew Perry were just the perfect balance to capture that spirit, that sardonic, that acerbic wit that defined the 90s and defined that era. And um, there was no better representative. And we'll talk about Friends you know, throughout the course of this this quick episode. But I'll, I want to start off by saying the first time I, I saw Matthew Perry was on a show called Boys Will Be Boys. And it was a very bad show. Uh, Matthew Perry, of course, you know, not only made his fortune and fame on TV, but he started off on some TV shows doing some guest appearances. But I remember this this TV series that was revamped. It was first called Second Chance and then called and then it was revamped Boys Will Be Boys, which kind of like he kind of twists the the titles there, right? Second Chance just probably comes second, but it was it was based on a horrible premise and they revamped it, retooled it. And the I only remember a couple of things about that series. I remember it was on a Saturday night. I remember the the boy from Better Off Dead, the $2, he was on it and he was terrible. And Matthew Perry was in it and he was 
tremendous despite the writing, despite the the terrible acting around him. He was heads and shoulders above everybody. And if you really paid close attention, you could see a glimmer of shine there that was just the cusp of it. Kind of like when you watch Jason Bateman on It's Your Move, you knew that the actor was going to be bigger than the series and the series wasn't that good. And then I remembered Matthew on uh, Matthew Perry on Growing Pains where he had a three episode arc playing the older boyfriend of Carol Seaver in an emotional episode and one of the rare good episodes of Growing Pains if you ask me. Uh, Growing Pains was okay. It should have probably been it should have probably been f- a funnier series if you if if your main character's best friend's name is Boner, it, it probably should have been a, a a funnier series than what it was, right? But shout outs to Alan Thicke because he was great in it. Um, but anyway, uh, but I know that they they sort of scaled off on the writing because of uh, Kirk Cameron's beliefs and he didn't want to do the things he did the first couple of seasons. So yeah, he kind of ruined it for all of us and surprised he didn't change Boner's name to St. Michael or something. Anyway, so Growing Pains, he played. He had a three-episode arc as Sandy, Carol Seaver's older boyfriend, who died in a drunk driving accident. It was a very emotional episode, very good episode, one of the best episodes of Growing Pains. And Matthew Perry, just so sympathetic, so good in that three-episode arc that you knew that bigger things were to come. I also remember him on a 1991 episode of Beverly Hills 90210 where he played a tennis prodigy who wanted to murder his father. Thank God for Brandon because he talked him out of it. And I think uh, Brandon also saved us from David Silver rhyming uh, tennis with menace on a a soon-to-be-released rap song solo. He was good in that as well. He went on to make appearances on several other TV shows. And he filmed a pilot in 1994, which as you know, if you know your dates, that was the season that Friends debuted. And this pilot episode was called LAX 2194. And it was about baggage handlers from the future. And of course, that wasn't going to last but a season, if that. And it was just a terrible premise. And thank goodness that Friends came calling. Now, if I recall correctly, I believe John Cryer was originally tagged as the guy who was going to play Chandler uh, on Friends, which thank goodness he didn't. And of course, John Cryer is, is, is a great actor himself. And he had a, he found his fortunes with um, Two and a Half Men, which, uh, you know, not, not quite the series Friends was, but felt like it lasted 28 seasons. It wasn't no longer Two and a Half Men anymore. It was, it was just a totally different premise. Anyway, um, Friends was cast. And uh, of course, all these actors had done sitcoms. I think um, Lisa Kudrow, very funny story that she was on Second City and she was auditioning for Saturday Night Live or Julia Sweeney got cast instead of Lisa Kudrow and Julia Sweeney still goes on. It's like Julia, uh, uh, Lisa Kudrow was so funny and she was blonde and she was beautiful and tall and she was so talented. And how come they picked me? Well, I mean, thank goodness they did because then we wouldn't have had Phoebe and we wouldn't have had um, Pat. So, uh, and of course, Jennifer Aniston, we we talked about her last episode with the Leprechaun series and um, she had done the Ferris Bueller TV show. David Schwimmer had uh, parts on um, The Wonder Years as the older sister's um, fiance or, or husband. Matt LeBlanc, uh, I think we all remember him from the Married with Children uh, episodes, uh, one episode where he crossed his feet and broke uh, Al's uh, treasured <laughs> record from a song he was trying to recall. And he did a bunch of terrible uh, pilots 
And uh, but he hung in there, and they found the cast that they wanted, that they needed. The six talented, good-looking people who, most importantly, had a ton of chemistry. Like you could tell these people. And of course, I, you know, Courtney Cox. I'd be remiss not not mentioning her and uh, Courtney Cox, who we all knew from the Bruce Springsteen video and of uh, her stint on Family Ties as uh, Alex P. Keaton's um, girlfriend. Uh, six tremendous photogenic wonderfully talented, great comedic timing, uh, and good chemistry. Um, a lot of TV shows fail on the chemistry part, but friends just, you could put any two of them in a scene together and they flourished. Um, Matthew Perry, I think, um, as Chandler, his, that first season, he knocked it out of the park. I thought he was the standout. Of course, we talked about the sarcasm and the quick wit. Um, he had some amazing episodes. There's one where he was stuck at a, I think it was an ATM and another episode where he's, he's talking one-on-one with Rachel. And I think he had revealed uh, that Ross was in love with her or something, but he was very good on the TV show. And that season one, I'd put it up against anybody's first season as any character. And I know Bob and Joseph would love to do an episode. Well, I can't speak for them, right? But I know that someday down the line, we will do an episode about funniest sitcom character. And, and I think it's obvious that Chandler Bing will be mentioned. And of course, you know, his character kind of trailed off at the end. He was Monica's boyfriend. I mean, Monica's husband and kind of like the the storylines were more dictated towards her and, and him being kind of sort of like secondary character to her storylines. And, and maybe all that was occurring because of Matthew Perry's personal uh, drug issues and um, his recovery, of course. And and he's been very open about not remembering three seasons of Friends, uh, seasons three to six, where he doesn't recall anything because he was so ravaged by his addiction and so taken aback by everything he was going through. And, and that's sad. I mean, imagine if, if that happened to any of your friends or they couldn't remember three years of some of the best times of your life. He hung in there. And I think the cast, the fact that they loved them so much, the creators loved them, and they knew that there was nobody in the world you could replace Matthew Perry with. You you couldn't do it. I mean, they've and you've seen TV shows where they've replaced characters like Chrissy and Three's Company and, you know, one of Roseanne's daughters, not the one that looks like Patrick Mahomes, uh, the the other one, Darlene, I mean, Becky. And, uh, you know, it, it just never works. You know, we love the originals. I guess it worked with uh, Woody replacing Coach on Cheers, but that that's a rarity. And maybe we'll do an episode on best uh, character replacement, best TV show character replacement. I'm picking Woody. That's This is when Bob would have said something vulgar. Anyway, so I think that um, he just knocked it out of the park and there was nobody as good with the line delivery, the the inflections in his voice. And he was just, I mean, just a tour de force. They were such a well-oiled machine. They were, they were like a comedy troupe that was just on every night. They were on fire. And, and to have them in our lives for 10 years really meant something huge because we saw them more than our actual friends. And I used to think that Friends was a terrible title for a TV show. I mean, that's like, you think about it now and, and TV shows kind of like, borrowed for like the office is the office right i mean you can't think of another title that would have been appropriate but friends was one of those titles where i thought well that's just generic but it really was the best title for that because that word will never go out of style because when we think about friends we think about our friends and we think about being friends and that's that's a title that will go beyond you know space and time and uh, what a wonderful ensemble and, and what a wonderful cast and and to 
bring us that joy for 10 years and continue to just be that presence. I, I had written a post on Instagram about how there's always going to be a first loss in a group, you know, like if it's the championship team you rooted for or the band that you enjoyed or the movie cast or the TV show cast. One of We didn't think we'd lose Matthew Perry so quickly or anybody from, from the TV show because we always see him as eternally youthful. And that era reminded us of, for those of us who are way past that era, it reminds us of a special time in our lives where we weren't making the most money and we were out there being independent, but we always had our friends. And of course, that goes back to the title. That's why that title was so important because our friends were like our second family. We relied on them so much. Even though we were struggling emotionally, we were having failed relationships. We, were, we weren't having the best jobs. We were living you know, paycheck to paycheck, worried about rent and utilities and not wanting to go back home because you, you wanted to tough it out and, and make it out in the real world. And that's why it was just so important that I think even though the show is very uh, dated from a bygone era, and of course, as the years go on and on, it's going to seem more and more dated, but the topics are always going to last. The topics about love and acceptance and about loss and, and humanity and all this other stuff, is they're always going to live on because those things are timeless. I talk to my, my college students sometimes and you know I, I do a lesson and, and friends gets mentioned because we're I won't get into the lesson, I don't have time, but we talk about friends and, and most of them raise their hands when I ask them about who, who watches the show and it resonates with People who were born after the show had ended its run and people are still talking about it. So that's power, that's structure, that is just huge for a show to, to, to still resonate with people that way. For Matthew Perry to be, you know, one of the focal points. And I, I wish it's his, um, career would have been bigger. I, just to talk quickly about his film career, I remember, you know, Fools Rush In, a little bit underrated, right? I mean, none of the friend stars really had that big, movie career, I think we all thought. I mean, Jennifer Aniston probably leads the pack. She did a bunch of eh, so-and-so rom-coms. I think that Just Go With It is probably her best um, best movie. Um, she's She's got a few other decent ones, but you know, it was kind of the formula. And for Matthew Perry, I think he kind of fell into the same sort of trap where he was sort of typecast um, in these roles. When you look at Fools Rush In and um, Three to Tango and the whole nine yards, the whole 10 yards, I think a lot of it was was based on his being Chandler Bing. And that's why it didn't translate as well on film as it did in on on the television screen because Chandler's Chandler Bing was a constant he was somebody that we wanted to see evolve and we wanted to hear the next joke and we knew what to expect where we just got a, and of course the writers um the structure was there and when you get when you pull him into these movies and he's trying to be a Chandler Bing type it's just not going to work because the foundation isn't there the team isn't there the writing isn't there Fools Rush In I think it's a little underrated I liked it Almost Heroes didn't really care for Three to Tango I have a special affinity for because I, I remember a uh, creative writing teacher submitted a short story for me to the school magazine and it was center page. Uh, I wish I still had that story. I would I would post it somewhere. Maybe not. It's probably not good. And um, I remember at the end, there was a ad for Three to Tango. So every time I would open up this this magazine, there was my story and there was a picture of Nev Campbell, uh, Dylan McDermott and um, Matthew Perry and Three to Tango. And so 
and everything else uh, maybe not as big, but I will say this: the the TV shows that he starred in and helped to produce after Friends, Mister um, Sunshine, which I know he was passionate about, didn't really do so well. Go on, which I felt was really good. Um, it only lasted twenty two episodes. I I thought that series could have been something, just didn't have the support. Studio sixty on the Sunset Strip was another show that was good, but didn't have the support. I think it kind of tailed off after the three or four episodes. There was a lot of hype behind it didn't really live up to it uh the odd couple was a remake so it lasted two seasons and it was on cbs and it just it just didn't really take i think a lot of tv series were sort of um rehashing that people who don't match let's put them together and see what you know oil and water does on tv and although thomas lennon is very funny as well it just wasn't that great of a series. And and then of course we we didn't see Matthew Perry do a lot of work after 2017, but he did some some great uh, one-offs with like The West Wing and Scrubs and Ally McBeal and a couple of other TV series, but to wrap up, I know he will be incredibly missed. I know that Matthew Perry was uh, one of a kind. Um, you didn't see a lot of tabloid fodder on him. I was looking at some of the people he dated. And I was—I didn't know he dated Julia Roberts. I don't know. It's, this is Wikipedia, so it could be—it could be completely off. But um, he was always under the radar, and um, he's somebody who I think—if you put him in this era, if you put the 1994 Matthew Perry, who was I think 24 years old in this era, he would blossom. He would boom. He would. He would be a a very sought out actor because I think we're we're missing that. We try to capture a lot of the comedy Matthew Perry types in the early two thousands with you know like Vince Vaughn doing rom coms and and Owen and Luke Wilson, but Matthew Perry just he was there and he wasn't utilized. But I think if if Matthew Perry was twenty four now, getting his career kicked off, he would be a bigger star than he was. Of course, he wouldn't have the the springboard that was Friends. He'd have so much more to offer with all the avenues like Amazon Prime, Apple, Netflix, and and all these other platforms that offer these passion projects for. So post Friends, it just wasn't a Matthew Perry friendly uh, creative, I guess, environment. We had him for. All those years, we saw his career build, and um, we'll always remember the good times. I, I think um, you know losing him is is tough, but man, he what a gift he had, and what a quick, short, and tragic loss. Because we were always hoping that friends would come back with another reunion, and and they would we would see them older, and would they would there be another like spinoff where they're taking different roles, like so many TV shows do. I'm glad they didn't do that, but. It was always a possibility. To sum up everything, uh, Matthew Perry was extremely talented, uh, um, I think underrated. And uh, for somebody who provided so many laughs and so many memorable times, he will be missed. I, even watching the whole nine yards, if you rewatch a movie, I, I saw a picture of him with Mar- Michael Clark Duncan and Bruce Willis. And to know that we've lost both Michael Clark Duncan and Matthew Perry and Bruce Willis has his health issues. It's like a punch in the gut, especially growing up watching these people and how they meant to you so much in your youth and and, and your and your memory. So Matthew Perry, you will be missed. And um, man, thanks for all the laughs and and for lending us your talents and lending us your humanitarian initiatives and and helping people who needed to be helped. So that's this week's episode. Next week, we'll be back with a Pink Floyd episode. So for Bob and Joseph, um, I know they're probably going to give me crap for this episode. If it sees the light of day, um, this is Randall, and we'll see you next week.